Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence one stripe at a time. And now, here are our hosts, James Foxall and Wes McDonald. All right, everybody, welcome to another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. I'm uh, your host with the most, Wes McDonald. I have one of the best guests that I've had in a long time, Trisha Judge. Uh, but before we introduce Trisha, one thing I always like to do in every episode is tell you one thing about me that you may not know. Uh, one of the things that you may not know about me is I love to cook. My favorite story actually with cooking is I was sharing this with some friends in the industry. Uh, Trisha, you might know, obviously you know, uh, Barney Kister okay. uh, and his daughter, Sarah, and some others. And sure. they said, well... Let's put your cooking chops to the test. Uh, when you come down for our meeting, let's have a, a Brussels sprout cook-off. And I got to say, that was probably one of you know, my favorite things that I've done in the channel, <laughs> which didn't have anything to do with work. But uh, we came up with about uh, seven different ways to cook Brussels sprouts and had a, a competition. And the sad thing is, I didn't win. Oh, I yeah, can we, tell you that my, my personal story does not have anything to do with cooking because my go-to line on cooking is that I'm great at making reservations. That's it. <laughs> well, Tricia, I know you very well. We've known each other for uh, quite a number of years now on the Office Equipment Channel. But uh, for our viewers, I always like you to be able to introduce yourself. So why don't you do that and share one thing about yourself that people may not know. Okay. Well, I am the Executive Director of the International Imaging Technology Council, which is the trade association for uh, cartridge dealers and cartridge remanufacturers. Uh, we've been around now for more than 20 years, and we uh, specialize in advocating for small business, um, advocating for remanufacturing because it's good for the environment, and advocating for customer choice because without the aftermarket, there would be no other option but new OEM cartridges. Now, something that nobody knows about me um, is that my grandfather helped Henry Ford build the Model T. Come on. And nope, I, yeah, his name is Fred Rockleman. You can look it up. He uh, was a German immigrant, first generation, loved to tinker and Henry Ford found him in a garage in Detroit working on cars, and he said, hey, Fred, you know, you want to come help me design a car? And my grandfather helped Henry design the Model T and the Model A, and then he went on to become the president of Plymouth and then also worked with Preston Tucker when Tucker started his company. <laughs> so, yeah, so my, my family has a deep roots in the automotive industry. Now, now listen, I know you haven't uh, directly yourself been involved with cars, but you've been directly involved with uh, the Off-Squibbing Channel for a long time. I know that you've racked in literally thousands of hours representing and advocating for you know, the remanufacturing industry specifically for over 23 years. And that is a yes. long pedigree. And I've and I've watched you and, and admired sort of the things that you've been doing because most people, it's invisible. They don't see uh, the stuff that happens behind the scenes to make sure that a strong remanufacturing 
industry can exist. And it's really important on a number of fronts, and we'll get to that as we go through the podcast. But maybe you can tell me, you know, through all those hours and all those years, can you share with me, you know, some of your proudest moments so far? Best part about this job is that I'm working with small business owners. Yeah. And at times that's like herding cats, <laughs> but but for them, but mostly they they all have such a unique story as to why they you know decided to take that cartridge out of the garbage can, thought about it, and said, you know what, this is too much to throw away. We need to figure out a way to reuse this. And so the industry explodes, you know, based on people that just wanted to do the right thing by the environment and, and yep. also because it's a good business. Sure. So I, I just loved bringing, you know, getting the opportunity to bring those people together, um, especially when uh, the OEMs threatened us with extinction and and say let's 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 take them on let's let's bring our story to the people and see what happens and as a result uh, in the late 90s we we marched collectively on several state capitals and ended up passing more than a dozen laws wow. uh, pro remanufacturing laws and that and with every single law that passed, I, I was just, my heart exploded with joy. I mean, yeah. this is just something that, what a legacy to leave behind, you know, this, this wonderful testament to this fantastic industry. Yeah. And I actually, you know, uh, started with a remanufacturer. If you remember the old days of uh, multi-laser up in Gananoque in Canada. I've uh, often threatened to move there. If the, <laughs> if the political climate doesn't change, I'm going to Gananoque because that is just such a beautiful little town. It really is. I mean, on the water there with the Thousand Islands oh. and everything oh. else, right? And they're remanufacturing toner. Like, come on, that's a pretty good gig. <laughs> it is. It is. I woke up that morning and I, I had a, uh, I was up there right in the peak of the of the fall season oh. and it just took my breath away when I pulled back the curtain and saw the St. Lawrence Seaway with all of that gorgeous color. Just that's amazing. incredible, isn't but it? Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah, how I got started in this space. So it's very near and dear to me um, because I know that uh, Brian Cosgrove at that time, um, the way that he treated his employees, the way that he looked at what he was actually doing was making a difference. It wasn't just about making, you know, remanufacturing toner. It was making a difference in so many people's lives. And so it's, yes. a, it's a wonderful space that I've been proud to be a part of for, you know, for a lot of years. Yeah, and, he, and he launched a lot of really amazing talent, you being chief among them, but oh. he, he was a great mentor. Yes. And he you also know. sat on our board for years and, and was a wonderful addition, an amazing man. Yeah, so it's funny. I didn't get involved with him because of the toner side. I actually almost came in uh, kicking and screaming because prior to working for Multilaser, I was actually uh, running data centers and internet uh, providers in uh, Vancouver and Calgary. And mm. of course, we all know of a thing called the dot bomb. The dot com was probably uh, the better part of it, but the dot bomb when it came, when I was looking for opportunities outside, it was Brian that actually brought me in and said, hey, we got an opportunity for software here to be able to manage printers. So th there's more that was born and spawned out of uh, kind of the remanufactured, you know, toner business than just the toner cartridges themselves, right? Uh, companies were investing yeah. heavily in the future of what uh, the managed print services space was going to look like. And I remember in Florida, uh, 
Brian was in my legal issues class at an ITC meeting in Florida, and it was right when Hewlett-Packard had announced their new software that was designed to keep, you know, reordering for the customer. Uh And, you know, I I said, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get uh, our own software because it wouldn't be just, you know, one OEM friendly. It could work across all the platforms and all the, you know, the printers that are in the fleet. And and he, he, you know, put his hand up. He said, no one's doing that. And I said, no, Brian, as far as I know, no one's doing that. So good for him. He took the idea and ran. Well, you know what? It is a, uh, it's a question of connected dots, right? And right. that's, that's Always. That with my headhunter, when he uh, introduced the company to me, I said no twice. And it wasn't until I spoke with uh, Multilaser that he actually explained. He goes, no, no, no. I understand that HP has their own software. I understand that Lexmark does. I understand that Xerox does. I understand that all these people do. But nobody has something right now that can monitor and manage all of them. And I didn't believe them. Mm-hmm. So I did my research, and when I found that there was nothing, I was like, yep, that's a place for me. So yeah, it's a, it's a really good note that you know those that are in the manufacture, remanufacturing space aren't just uh, concerned about the toner, but about the future of the industry, right? For those that aren't in our industry and our channel, there's a lot of flux and, and change going on, right? So you know, yes. Clover and LMI have obviously been pretty prominent in the news. Uh, LMI doesn't exist anymore. Clover, you know, purchased them, and Clover, as I expected and as as I predicted, uh, weathered the storm and figured out how to actually, you know, rebuild the company. But a lot of that was brought on by pressures from, you know, uh, HP and Xerox and others on that remanufactured space, right? So, yeah, the, the war never ends, and this is not the first time that we've seen it. And I followed your work for many years, and I can remember in the early days, I was fascinated by the different approaches. Uh, to trying to actually hamstring remanufacturers. HP seemed to uh, have more of a, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because this is your space, but HP struck me as having uh, more of a desire to out-engineer them. So they said, okay, great. You're going to refill those cartridges. We're going to make that obsolete. We're going to introduce more cartridges every year than you can keep up with. And uh, Lexmark, with their prebate program, um, had more of a legal stance, which is, hey, you don't even actually own the cartridge you're just paying for the toner, right? So the latest, obviously the big one in the news today is this Xerox HP partnership, you know, and obviously they, they bought some business together and yet they're feuding on uh, if those companies come together um, or not, right? It's really, you know, we live in interesting times. It's probably the strangest thing we've <sighs> seen where they partner on one side and fight like enemies completely on the other, right? So yeah. It's dancing with the devil. I, I just, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy because to hear Xerox, which, you know, sadly is a, is a shadow of its former self. Sure. Xerox talking about buying Hewlett Packard. Um, you know, we just lost Gary Starkweather. I, I think he'd probably be spinning in his grave. This is, this is crazy because <laughs> I don't believe that it's ever going to come to fruition. And I, I don't know why they are undertaking this ridiculous dance, but they are. And, yeah. it, it, you know, it just, it, okay, Hewlett Packard came in and, and stole a bunch of business away from Clover, which, which hurt them. And, and yes, we are so glad that they have arisen anew from the ashes, but yes. There's just not a whole lot of synergy there. 
to begin with. And you know, Xerox for years was known as as also being a remanufacturer. Sure, they while, were. Yeah, while while Hewlett Packard eschewed um, being a remanufacturer, and actually, I believe tried it maybe twenty plus years ago and failed miserably, as did Lexmark. But you know, in the beginning, Lexmark came out with that awful prebate program, and it which you know basically would make it impossible to get empties of the truly remanufacturable cartridges and they started disappearing and the, the prebate program actually helped launch ITC because it oh. galvanized the industry yeah. and the aftermarket you know just came up and passed those laws and fought Lexmark tooth and nail and at the time Hewlett Packard was watching and they kind of stood to the side and and their their president of the imaging division at the time said, "We're not going to interfere with legitimate remanufacturing. We're not going to do that. We're, yep. We are, as you said, going to uh, implement technological impediments to remanufacturing." And they also undertook the what we called the printer breeding program, mm. where they went from you know a half a dozen most popular. Uh, printers issued in one year to issuing 76 printers the next year, all with nuances. And oh, and it made it very difficult for the smaller remanufacturers to keep up. So they 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 implemented these programs that certainly ran you know in a different direction than Lexmark, but had a similar effect. But but we still could. Do it. We could still remanufacture their products, and at the time, they had 75% of the printer marketplace. Yeah, they had been a, they had been adjudicated a um, uh, a monopolist in in an earlier case, so they had to be careful. And Lexmark just went nuts with this prebate program, which thankfully was rendered illegal um, in a, in the Supreme Court case of. Uh, impression products versus Lexmark, wow. and so it's gone by the wayside. But, but Hewlett Packard has now changed its tune, and it's all, you know, it's Katie bar the door. We're going to go get out there and and fight remanufacturers and and go after the clones and you know lump them all together and try and knock everybody off of the off of the. Um, out of the marketplace. Yeah, and what's great and that's, is that's too bad. It is too bad because I think, even from my own experience in the industry, that there is a, a definitely distinct line between remanufacturing of a cartridge, which is essentially reuse. So, mm -hmm. you know, when we look at the uh, three R's of recycling, reuse is probably the best of all of them. Well, it but, is. It's the highest form of of recycling. Um, reuse keeps everything, uh, the whole product, out of the landfill. Where recycling means you have to, you know, initiate some more energy into the process in order to make the product usable. And you're also talking about downgrading the product. You can't recycle a cartridge and then make a new cartridge out of it. The plastic just won't hold up after that. So it becomes a park bench or a bollard or, or, a, or a, a ruler. I have a ruler that once was a toner cartridge. And that's all well and good, but there's nothing like reuse. And I think even in the remanufactured space for toner, economically, 
it's one of the few industries where I've seen that actually um, doing better for the environment actually saves you money. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a three, the big three benefits of remanufactured cartridges is they're good for the environment. You can reuse some of these cartridges. I've heard as high as 25 times, but I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but but, but a certainly lot. seven or eight times. Sure. And a lot, exactly. And And you are diverting them from the landfill at that point. And they're made of industrial grade plastic. These suckers don't they don't degrade. Right. So they're going to be around for another thousand years and, you know, they, they with no change in, in what they are. And so they're, they're good for the environment. They're good for consumer choice because if it weren't for um, the remanufactured products, the OEMs would have zero competition because they, these things are patented and you can't build a new one because you, you're going to be violating their patents. Sure. However, you you have, thanks to the right to repair, you have the right to repair your car, you have the right to repair your TV and your vacuum cleaner and your toner cartridge. So, you know, we're protected by the right to repair, giving the consumers their only legitimate choice um, in the marketplace. And then, and then finally, they're good for the local economy because most of your remanufacturers are local, yeah. um, locally based dealers, and and they, you know, they they have the multiplier effect. They they live in your in your area. They go to your schools. They put their money into the tax base, and you know they eat at the local restaurants. So buying from them means you're keeping your money in your community. Yeah, and it's funny that we we actually have two very strong you know sort of directions right now. I think in the world overall, which is a buy buy more local. In other words, support, you know, those that are contributing to your community locally. And the second is do more with less, right? So that people are very conscious of uh, sustainability efforts, you know, et cetera. I think as long as we've got the Greta Thunbergs of the world out there, you know, banging the drums saying, you know, yep. you're, you're destroying our, our world, it's only going to get more profound. We've, I've been part of the Remanufacturing Industries Council uh, for about 20 years now, which encompasses yep. all of the remanufacturing industries. And it's a $650 billion industry, and it's growing. Wow. And it's growing a lot. I mean, the, the show, the meeting that we have every year in Rochester used to be held in a, in a classroom um, at RIT. Now we take over a whole hotel. <laughs> so it's it's really taken on as a as a very viable, very important industry with true science behind it. Sure. And that's certainly true in our industry. I mean, just if you go to Clover or or Liberty Laser or any of the you know remaining large remanufacturers, you will see uh, or Static Control, you will see how much they've invested in making their products truly um scientific this is there's a lot of money that's invested into this industry to make sure that the cartridge you know not only performs well but performs in a very comparable fashion to the oems yes and and let's face it at the end of the day um as long as you're buying from a reputable remanufacturer one that is involved in the organizations that both you and i are um, that those marks on pages are are excellent, right? That that it's not a it's not an issue. Like any industry, you're going to have a bunch of 
you know, folks that probably shouldn't be doing it in the first place. And that's why <laughs> you've also worked in standards-based groups, right? To make sure that those cartridges have a standards-based stamp, which say, you know, you know, these are, you know, these are worthwhile remanufactured cartridges. That's correct. We, uh, back in the, back in the heyday when we were passing all those laws in the late nineties, we were, you know, so thrilled to, to pass these laws that said that the government agencies had to buy reman if it's available, yep. uh, over OEM new. And so we thought, Hey, our job is done. Well, we started getting pushback from the government purchasers who said, you know, we're not going to buy this crap because it doesn't work. Well, come to find out that the only criteria that the government agencies had to buy on was price, oh. which meant that the bid went to the lowest priced yeah. item, which could be your drill and fill crap. Yes. So that's when we started up the Standardized Test Methods Committee which created uh, a suite of tests that a cartridge manufacturer or remanufacturer needs to undertake to measure things like page yield, image density, background. And these, this suite of tests became the STMC protocol. Mm. And, and we created an indicia, a logo, which is which we give to anyone that proves they're using these tests properly that pass our audit process, and that is the STMC logo. Yep. And so that now, if you want to sell to the government, if you don't have STMC certification, you're not going to you're not going to succeed. Yeah. And STMC is is used in 80 countries. We just certified a company wow. in Tehran. <laughs> so, <laughs> Amazing. So it's truly yeah, a global so effort. And, it is. And I, it's a and I, I so I so believe in in standards based you know processes. So I was involved with CompTIA for a lot of years as well, and we actually worked mm -hmm. on the managed print trust mark, uh, so that customers could understand, you know, when someone said they were offering managed print, that again they had a standard uh, that they had to apply to and actually be tested to, and yeah. So I totally get it, and I think that's probably part of our you know, job is the education for people to understand that not all remanufactured cartridges are created equally and not all managed service provider or managed print providers themselves are created equally, right? Exactly. And it is an ongoing consumer education program. Never ends. Never, yeah. never. And, and it's so sad because, of course, once you create something valuable, somebody comes along and abuses it. Yep. Uh, I was I was in China at the um, Remax Expo this this past October, and I found a dozen companies that were using our logo improperly. That oh had, no. It was basically a counterfeit logo. Oh yeah. One company. This just blew me away. One company had it all over their booth, and they said, "Oh no, no, we're sure that we're legitimate." Blah blah blah. And I, I said, okay, well, let's look at the number. We have a, they each, each certified company gets a number. Sure. So I call back to the U.S. to my, to the STMC manager, Katie Bandel, and I gave her the number. And she said, well, that's interesting. That number belongs to a company that's been out of business and is located in the Czech Republic. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so then. You know, so we confront them after the fact with that, and they deliver to us a certificate 
that because you get a certificate along with the logo. Sure. And it's a beautiful certificate with dates right up until 2020, but it had been altered. It was not a legitimate certificate. Oh, no. So they just keep digging themselves deeper and deeper. Those those nice people, in order to get recertified, are having to pay some pretty serious penalties along with um, making sure that they pay for every year they've been claiming to be STMC certified and weren't. Well, and that's why people like you have been uh, so strong in the industry, both from a legal perspective uh, and from an advocate perspective to make sure that those people are held, held accountable. Wow. What a great story. Yeah. Unfortunately, there always has to be somebody at the gate, you know, because yeah. barbarians are always there too. <laughs> well, we can't quit. No, no. And I, I have no intentions of quitting. I, I'm, I'm, I always joke, I'm going to die at my desk and that would be just <laughs> fine by me. Well, you sound like me. I, the, the word retirement, I don't quite understand, right? Because it doesn't sound quite as fun as what we're doing right now. Right. This is, yeah, I love my job. I love coming to work every day. And and the people that, that I've met in the industry, the remanufacturing companies, 90% of them love to come to work every day. They chose yep. this as their profession, as their career, and they don't want to do anything else. And I want to help make sure that they don't have to. It's true. That Hewlett Packard and Lexmark and, and all the, the and Canon don't just run roughshod over them. And you mentioned something earlier. I'm going to segue into another question. The relationship between the OEMs and the remanufacturers really rested on almost a percentage of market. So as long as remanufacturers consume less than 25% of the market, then the OEMs were you know, kind of okay with it, right? But, but things are changing. And, and I spent you know, the last uh, five years uh, working with PrintAudit. We did a lot of user-based metric analysis on user printing behavior. And on average, uh, print behavior, we were seeing anywhere from 2 to 5% decline per user in print every year. So there was kind of this constricting of, you know, things, uh, people printing less because of modern technology and, you know, demographics and everything else, right? Add to that, um, so the shrinking market overall, the OEM market and remanufactured market is heating up even more. And I think we really saw that with kind of the Xerox HP partnership to really, for all intents and purposes, to buy the business uh, that existed outside of their, you know, their channels, right? And as we saw, you know, with LMI disappearing almost overnight and Clover mm -hmm. having to really, uh, you know, buckle down or restructure that it had some, you know, some serious impact, right? So is, yeah. is this OEM reman war going to heat up even further in 2020? I think it's, it is red hot right now, but I do think it will continue to get even hotter. Yeah. Uh, I, I see that, you know, yes, there is a decline in the uh, number of people that are printing, uh, but it's only 2% yeah. year over year. It's, it's not like it's going to, right. And it's not like it's going to go over the cliff. And, and these, you know, people also, therefore, are a little more open to using alternative supplies uh, because they've seen, you know, they've, they've been printing now for 30 years and they've seen the difference. They, they're much more educated, the consumers sure. are these days. And so they're much more open to looking at remand cartridges. And, and I know that is, and it, it makes the OEMs crazy because they want... <laughs> 
to marshal all of their supplies business. And, and the tug of war that's gone on since the, the late 80s, mid 90s is going to continue. Now, you know, HP in particular has gone from being a passive, uh, aggressive on yep. on our on on our industry to full blown aggression. They are now putting chips into the printers that shut. You know that as soon as a certain firmware update comes through, the printer will no longer accept alternative cartridges. Wow! And and they even are so brazen as to put on their on their on the uh, their boxes that you know this printer accepts only you know OEM new supplies and it, it might not work with alternative supplies and boy that's that's just begging for a fight and and we're going to fight them <laughs> on this because con- consumers don't like it consumers want to have choice yes and there are a number of class action lawsuits going on right now against Hewlett Packard over this and I'll bet you're going to see a few more. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And as as you mentioned, kind of that the fire is going to get hotter um, until we start to yeah. see more legal precedents where they're going to, you know, finally be say, hey, look, that's not cool. Like, that's not how this works. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is going to be you're the work of people. You're abusing your patent. Yep. Yes. It's going to be the work of people and like you all- continuously to, to make sure that that fight still continues. Well, thank you. Yes, we have to keep we have to keep fighting. As a matter of fact, this year, um, well, let me back it up. In 2000 and through to 2010, we worked with the government on developing uh, an environmental. Uh, I'm sorry, an electronic product environmental assessment tool okay. or EPEAT program. Huh. And so printers get a you know the, if you get a new. Uh, printer or laptop and you get a little you look at the little stickers that are all over it one of them is the epeat sticker with a green check mark ah. well those are all different types of standards that we all helped as a group government and OEM and aftermarket players alike you know battled it out in in rooms across the country to come up with the provisions of epeat well since Hewlett Packard has started to play these games we filed a complaint with the Green Electronics Council because clearly if they're not accepting aftermarket products and they're in violation of some of the provisions they agreed to in EPEAT. Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna fight on every front. We're gonna keep pushing until they concede you know, some of the market to us because it's just a reality. As you said, twenty five percent of the market goes to us. It's 50% or more on some of the older legacy products. Yep. So, you know, if we weren't, if we weren't around, those products would be in a landfill because there'd be no other option for people to find, you know, printer cartridges for them. So. Yeah. And as you said earlier, it really is about consumer choice, right? To be able to make sure that they can make the best decisions for their businesses. And uh, some of those decisions are going to be economic. Some of them are going to be, technology related some of them are going to be uh, environmentally uh, related but you know we have to make sure the consumer has the right you know to make sure that those choices are available to them right and yes, you know yes. like we, we live in a capitalist society so you know may the best product win it's just a question exactly. of making sure that uh, you know people never lose their options because that's not capitalism yeah yes 
And and you are a very active, actually, president of the MPSA. Um, and, and as a result, you know that it helps the MPSA and it people does. using managed print services to have choices on cartridges to employ because in some instances, the remand cartridge is the absolute best choice for the client. Yes. You know, the more choice you have, the better. There's some situations where, you know, in a highly graphic environment that sure. they need to use the OEM color cartridges. That's what makes the world go round. Everybody should be able to have the, the, the option. Yes. And the OEMs, you know, don't like us being around, but hey, too bad. We're here to stay. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, an expression I love and I bring everywhere that I work and uh, every customer I work with is sell what the people are buying, right? So, you know, my first job is to understand what they want to buy, how they want to buy it and do my best to flex to be able to make sure they get it. And the more options that we take away, the less um, choice the consumer has, I think the worse off we are as a capitalist society, right? So this is not an issue of, you know, capitalism versus anything else. It's about making sure that, you know, capitalism is as strong as it can be. I'm going to ask you one more question. We're, you know, we look at dealers in the marketplace right now. um, When they looked at what happened with LMI and with Clover and, you know, with this whole thing with Xerox and HP, like if there's one piece of advice you could give them uh, to continue to support remanufactured cartridges, what would that be? Continue to do it, obviously. Yeah. But um, remanufacturing is coming on so strong as an industry. And to position yourself as using, proudly using remanufactured cartridges, you will be doing yourself such a great service because customers want it, the government wants it. So with all the people out there embracing remanufactured, I would definitely encourage dealers to, you know, follow follow that wave and enjoy, you know, the benefits that come from being an environmentally correct dealer. And, uh, you know, if you are looking at the new builds coming out of China, um, all you have to do is look at what's going on right now. Uh, This past week, the entire country of China has been shut. So if you are, if you're waiting for your shipment to come in, guess what? It's not coming. And there have been all sorts of other problems with products coming out of Asia. They found DECA-BDE, which is a, a... really nasty uh, cancer-causing agent that was in uh, fire retardants that's been used yeah, in some of this recycled plastic. So, I mean, you're, you're just, you are, you're dancing with the devil for sure if you are basing your MPS programs or your sales programs on cartridges coming out of, of Asia that are new built. They also yeah. probably infringe uh, the patents of the OEMs and the OEMs are not being shy about suing. So, yeah. you know, take the safe route with the with remanufactured and take the the environmentally friendly route with with remanufactured and and take the the route that will, you know, give you the most money, the most return on your investment with reman. Yeah, I agree. You know, buy local, uh, make sure that you're doing the right thing environmentally. And there's always going to be room obviously for uh, OEM innovation and and product that there's room for all of that right? People that are playing yes. above board, 
uh, people that are truly concerned about helping the customer and uh, we should all, you know, be able to play nice together. So Trisha, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time we've done a podcast together and I, but we've done a lot of uh, talks together and I can't thank you enough for uh, contributing to this. And I certainly encourage people uh, to make sure that they learn more about your organization. So if they want to reach out to uh, one of your websites or another place, is there uh, a place you can direct them to? Absolutely. Uh, you can reach, you can look at our website at uh, www.i-itc.org. And, you know, we're, we're here in beautiful Las Vegas, available to talk to members anytime. Our contact information is all on the website. And we welcome new members. We, we, the more the merrier, and there's strength in numbers, and, and we'd really we love being um, a powerful force in the imaging supplies industry. And Wes, thank you so much for having me today. I really enjoyed this. Oh, my absolute pleasure. This is one I was really looking forward to. And to all of our listeners that have had an opportunity to tune in today, thank you for listening to another episode of Tiger Paw Radio. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com podcasts. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.